Hey, AfterBuzzers, welcome to another show here. We're talking Netflix, everything sucks. That's right, it's a coming-of-age story set back in the 90s, so stay tuned as we dissect. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, AfterBuzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Woo! We've got Anthony Becerra. Yo, what's up? It's Anthony Becerra here. Oh my god. I wish it's I had a It's a beautiful toe. life indeed. I'm your host, Phil Svitek, and we're talking the Netflix latest series, Everything Sucks. We're going to break it down in all in one episode. We're going to talk non-spoilers for those of you who are concerned. Non-spoilers. At the very beginning, and then we're going to move into spoiler territory where we break down each of the characters and the actual arcs within the, in the series. It's a 10-episode series. Each episode is about 22 minutes, so it's very digestible for you guys. And we do have oh, ah, some... it up. That's right. We have someone very special for you as well um, a little bit later in the show, so stay Ooh. tuned for that. That's what we call a tease. Ooh, tease. I wonder who, 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 who that could be. Um, so, again, this is the non-spoiler section. We will let you know exactly when the spoiler section comes with a little bit of a warning. But uh, overall thoughts, Anthony, on this series? I really liked it. Um, I heard some things beforehand before I saw it that were, weren't too, um, as in, like, they weren't really setting it, setting it up for me, but I was like, you know, I'm just going to go in, I'm going to watch it myself, see what I think. And the first episode, um, I feel like it sets you up for something that actually isn't. Because the more you keep watching it, the more that what you think it is, the package shortly, like, starts to unravel, and you start to see how complex it actually is, and it's not just, like, it's not... It like it like it sets up characters at like a face like surface level like in the first episode and you're like oh okay kind of I got most of it but then the more the more you start seeing the more like all these characters um like their their I guess the intricacies of their webs and of their characters like slowly start to spread out more and you just start seeing how everything slowly starts connecting and so it starts coming together and it's just I, I thought it was brilliant I really liked the show I gotta say yeah and part of that. It's typical of a lot of TV series where they're, for the first couple of episodes, perhaps finding their voice. Or with this one, I'm wondering, is it by design where it lays out sort of the cliches? Mm-hmm. Uh, and then and then it just pulls the rug out from underneath you. Either way, uh, if you stick with it, you will get sucked in. By episode four, for me, I was uh, full steam ahead watching and binging. And that's what obviously makes Netflix so great. And... Yeah, I mean, as far as what they were going for, um, what the first, it, it's tough. I, I appreciate it, something like this that can sort of have, I, I've seen a lot of word of mouth and it builds over time mm-hmm. because I like stories like this where it doesn't have to have the hook where, oh, uh, you know, it's uh, aliens come to life and this and that. <laughs> it's like, no, it's just the 90s and it's kids and it's real problems. Right. Uh, yeah, exactly. Um, it was so, it was so grounded the first episode. It was, it was like nothing. Like, yeah, I guess there's, there's not really, like, a hook in the beginning, but it's just, like, it, I guess, like, in anime terms, it's like a slice of life, you know? You're just seeing life unravel in front of you, and there's something so pleasant watching that. Especially with, like, characters that are so innocent, in a sense, you know? Um, seeing how they're going to just grow and develop in front of you. Like, where they start, and then how you slowly start to see them grow, and how like how they think, and their pro- thought processes, and how they changes, and the events that cause that change... Um, it's really wonderful to see because it's so, it just feels so real, and yeah. it, and has, and the lessons it teaches are lessons that like, I I, I hope that people actually, when they're growing like are able to learn these lessons as well in their lives. If not, watch this show and you'll you'll be like you have a one up on like in in life lessons in a sense. Yeah, I one of the things that for me really drew me into the series was the fact that they were AV kids. And that's why I really stuck with it more so than perhaps other people, at least initially. And then when I got going, uh, I, I really enjoyed it for beyond that. And I appreciate, so uh, Ben Ben York Jones and Michael Mohan, they're the ones who created this story. And, you know, they're being compared to a lot of things, with Stranger Things, and yes, that has the Netflix time, but I think two completely different series stranger just because there's kids like just yeah exactly <laughs> like what they okay. they cite their inspiration really is uh is a swedish film back in 1998 
which was called um, which was called Show Me Love, Show and it was love. a coming of age lesbian story about a li- uh, girl living in a small town trying to deal with high school. Mm-hmm. And when you look at that, you know you sort of see that as a jumping off point. And what I appreciate is that uh, each of the characters are so defined. Where you have Kate, mm-hmm. who is that main character, but then you also have her best friend Luke. And though it's never outrightly stated, the fact that he, he's a black character. Um, especially right now it's happening kind of contextually mm-hmm. within our own media is really wonderful to see and and, and I appreciate that 100% for them wanting to bring this to life and a, and a story that you know for, for the most part is not something that they 100% relate to but we're willing to tell it and willing to learn to tell it well mm-hmm. um yeah and I love I love how um yeah there's our characters right there um yeah, it's not it's not it's not like a like in your face like oh yeah, this is a black character and like this is a lesbian. Um I just love the the subtleties of it all, you know? It it doesn't have to point that out. It's just like no, these are just kids. Like just uh just go with it kind of thing. You it, I like I completely agree with with your uh with your point there. And then one it's so there's multiple levels as we're sort of talking about there's freshmen in high school and kind of entering into a new world mm-hmm. and of course you have sort of the cliches of you got the older kids picking on them and so forth but then you have that extra layer where you have the adults right and and their problems and more so if you're going to compare it to freaks and geeks where you had the parents in that this just upped it up a notch mm-hmm. in a way that was fantastic. And so let, let's, as a quick breakdown of the characters, let's start with the AV kids. Um, you overall have Luke, who's one of our main protagonists. Right. Uh, you have Kate Messner, and then uh, friends McQuaid and Tyler. Mm-hmm. What did you, who A, who did you gravitate towards most, um, and B, why? Um, I would say, well, oddly enough, I would say Kate, I think, because I was uh, personally in high school, I felt like um, not that my dad was like principal or anything, but I just felt like I didn't really fit in with a lot of groups in in high school. So I was kind of like I had I had I had a group of friends, but it was very it was very like close knit group of friends. So I didn't really expand from anything else. Um, and I also loved uh, as a kid, I also loved uh, film and TV, but I just never I, I was never in the AV club, but I like. In hindsight, I was just like, man, I kind of wish I was, because it's just so cool, like messing with all that equipment, with cameras and all that. And my school also had their own like news production. Um, but yeah, I I related to Kate, and then secondly, I loved Tyler because I think I think he, I think he's just so zany and crazy. Mm-hmm. He's just so he's he's just so wild. Um, and I, I personally, I have like somewhat of a zany like quality to myself. Um, the least I felt more like. I related to the least was McQuaid because he was just so, he's just so analytical and uh, logical. Like I am to a certain extent as well, but not enough to where it keeps me from well, taking it, it, risks. I guess. Yeah, his logic, it it, it was a form of negativity. Mm-hmm. It, it was never to help support something. It was to bring it down. Right. And we all have that friend and so forth, and and so you have the vast spectrums all there and mm-hmm. i and i appreciate that and you know at times when when mcquaid and tyler are a little bit too much that's where the the friendship with luke and kate starts forming and we'll certainly break it down more um i rec- i i related to luke the most um on a surface level because I, I don't want to bring up spoilers just yet the fact that he loves movies and likes to make his own movies and and forms a group of friends to make movies with I appreciate that, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, I, he's he's just a wonderful, wonderful character uh, overall. Um, as far as the other kids, um, there's the feeder kids, which which of all things you would consider the jocks to be the the villains, right? If you will, yeah. But the fact that it's a couple from theater class, uh, Emmeline and Oliver, it, it just adds this unique twist. Uh, yeah, I have to completely agree with you because um, there's so many times within 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 watching the show, I was just like, 
no, these these aren't these aren't jocks. These aren't these are theater kids. Like it's cool. It's like two different clans going up against each other because you have the AV club, but then you also have like the AV club that are being like sought after from the uh, the AV from the uh, drama kids, and uh, <laughs> I just thought it was so funny because in a sense they're both kind of like the nerdy then like the like it'd be seen as like the like the the nerdy um groups in in high school you know they're not the, like the super popular kids but in their own right like the drama kids are popular like within their own group though you know because they have like i love how they have the whole uh like the uh the lunch performances mm-hmm. within the first couple episodes i thought that was hilarious but i also love like how into into drama they were as like how um they like they really loved drama and acting and uh and and their craft, like especially Oliver, was a little was a little too probably into it. But um, I appreciated his spirit. And uh, Emily, Emily, uh, she, she was just weird. I mean, <laughs> at first she was just like she was just so wild. And but like to see her from like where she where you see her in the beginning and to where she ends, it's such a like a vast difference. Well, I think part of her there there's a side to where she's still a chameleon. She's trying to figure out her own identity which is a lot of a lot of these kids are ultimately but when you look at it her oliver when you mentioned he has that such a great passion towards theater and that's what she's drawn to and attracted to Mm -hmm. and that's why you know you you surmise they're going out and then something shifts and she starts trying she starts kind of attaching herself to other ideas throughout the series and you know, a question for me came up was, is this authentic or not? Who's to say? Because like most kids, we're just trying it out and we don't know if it's our authentic self until we go through it. And they're like, nah, maybe not. Maybe yes. And that's what I appreciate about her. And for all intents and purposes, she's the world's greatest cheerleader and supporter. Uh, okay, I get you. At first, I was like, I, was, I wasn't really sure what you were putting down. But okay, so, so she was just trying to... So are you saying she was kind of like trying, like she when she was liking Oliver, it was like something that she was just trying, as in like well, I think I think she enjoyed it, but but part of it there's there's just certain people who are infected by other people's passion, mm-hmm. and I think Oliver and you know I don't want to say too much because uh, unfortunately I can't without it going fully deep, but right. but that was my assessment, and I'll, I'll certainly talk about it when we get into the rest of things, as far as um the the setting of all of this and we'll backtrack to the parents in a moment but the setting i I appreciate how this all really came together i i for sure thought this would have been a passion project had i not done research as far as you know the the place it takes place in and and you know the kids and and whatnot but they really created kind of a microcosm of things that they just researched and looked up. The fact that it's in, first off, boring Oregon <laughs> yeah. is where it takes funny. place in. Two, boring Oregon is actually a town in Oregon. Oh, boy. And the reason they even found that this place existed was they were Googling images of, quote, boring suburbs. <laughs> and it came up. <laughs> so, and, and I appreciate the joke within the actual show of who would name their town boring? boring. Yeah. Have a boring day. Oh my god! I know at the end of their their newscast in the beginning, <laughs> it's so funny. Also, how great were those characters too? The uh, the the like the news the, the anchors uh, in, in every episode. Yeah. Oh, it's just so funny. What a funny relationship there. <laughs> well, I don't think they have a relationship. The guy he certainly wants a relationship. Well, no, it's just like the relationship they have like on on screen. You know, mm-hmm. it's just so. I just thought it was hilarious. Like I. It was a little tricky at first because I never knew what the guy wanted, but I'm guessing it was a relationship with her. I mean, you knew what he wanted. Yeah. <laughs> and especially with the whole Me Too movement, you could kind of see remnants of why this business is the way that it is and the fact that no one, no adult really addressed that. Oh, okay. It's interesting, but I don't want to... Yeah. <laughs> we digress. Um, as far as... So we mentioned the parents and overall... We get two main parents. Uh, we get Luke's mom named Sherry, Sherry. and we get uh, we get Ken Mesner, who's Kate's dad, and he's also the principal. principal. We've alluded mm-hmm. to that as well. And I, I appreciate they have their own unique storyline that, yes, is tied into the kids, but then eventually becomes separate 
of that and goes in a fun, unique direction, but still parallels sort of what's going on. With Kate and Luke? or The parallels? kids in general. Oh, okay. Got the it. Kids in general. Yeah. yeah. That's good. I didn't. I didn't catch up. I didn't catch that at first. Um, yeah, I, I do. Got to say, I really enjoyed watching uh, watching their relationship grow and how it progressed. And um, <laughs> it was just really funny how like they they come from two different two different ways of growing up. You know, Sherry was well. It's presumed that she was somewhat of like a troublemaker, and Ken was like a straight edge, <laughs> and then being able to find themselves at such a late age in life and then seeing how how she shifts his way of thinking is all it's it's just so nice like it's like it, it wouldn't have happened if she was like another dude and he'd be like oh well, let's just go mess things up but like because she was a woman and then she was like no like you should you should do these fun things it was just it was so sincere and so childlike and innocent you know it's like yeah. they they were being they were she was being she was able to like revert him back to that that time of like having a certain like sense of curiosity for uh doing uh, these like little mischievous things. Yes, and we'll certainly talk about that. Like I said, we tease because we're we're still in, not in spoiler territory, but um so hard. <laughs> so hard I want to get there. <laughs> um but let's one of the staples of this show uh and this doesn't reveal plot points, but it, it is the fact that the music in the show is absolutely fantastic and they were absolutely the, the creators were blown away by the simple fact that they were allowed to use so much music. On average, it's about four to six songs per episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, before I even list all the oh, nice. songs, you got them. well, well, I don't have every single one. I have the highlights. But what, what for you stood out? Don't give the context quite yet, but just n- the name, the song, and the artist. Uh, for me, it was a uh, Wonderwall by Oasis, because uh, uh, <laughs> it like over when that song came out, and then after that song came out, it became one of those. Songs are just like it becomes a kind of like a joke mm-hmm. after a while, because like everyone knew it on guitar, so it's like it's you see someone with the guitar, it becomes a joke. Well, in my personal life, it becomes a joke. Where it's like, oh, do you know Wonderwall? Mm-hmm. It's like one of those songs where you're like, oh God, not Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. But here, it just like it's still it still has like the gravitas of like as in like when they came that, out that initial yeah that feeling yeah like it still has the the it hasn't been ruined yet in a sense. At yeah. least for for the time, because now it's just like, eh. <laughs> right it's on. a great song, but it's just like it, it. To me, it's too much of a joke nowadays. Right on. Well, there's the typical songs, uh, at, you know, "Breakfast at Tiffany's." Oh, and that's my a God. that's a funny moment in the <laughs> yeah. in the show. But then the fact that you have uh, we opened up with Ace of Base, "Beautiful Life," mm-hmm. that has a lot of great tie-ins. Uh, there's Offspring. There's Elton John, Weezer, Tori Amos. Uh, Mary J. Blige even um, has a song there, Spin Doctors, so Bloodhound Gang, so much to kind of pull from, mm-hmm. and it really sets the tone, but I've seen shows and movies where it's just kind of over the top, and it turns into a music video for the sake of being a music video, just to say, like, we're artsy, and we're setting the tone, and putting you in the mood, Got it. whereas this, it was just part of it. Yeah, uh, it, it's no no different than um, Cameron Crowe's almost famous it is an ode to you know music and bands and so forth. That film is so well renowned and beautiful for that. This uses the songs so intricately and perfectly to underscore and highlight the emotions, mm-hmm. but not in a like "ooh, look at us" kind of way. Right. Yeah, um yeah, I got to say the music is utilized in in the perfect way. Uh it's it's um it's definitely one of the uh the main tools you use to like you said uh convey the underlying emotion that you're seeing. Yeah. Um <laughs> I didn't know there were so many uh 44 songs in total. Wow. Across 10 episodes. That's incredible. Um and Jeff our engineer Jeff uh, um when you're ready, feel free to, if, if he's also ready, uh, just let me know and we can bring in our guest. Mm-hmm. Working on it. All right. Jeff says he's working on it. So um, that's a little teaser right there for you still. <laughs> uh, 
Um, okay, well, it's a little bit tough because I wanted to talk with him a little bit of non-spoiler stuff. Um, so we're getting to that point where eventually we're going to have to get into spoiler stuff. But I guess before we do, let me, um, let me give a little plug to our CEO, Maria Menounos. Mm-hmm. Ooh, having some fun. All right. Uh, speaking of fun, do you want to have fun, learn, and grow in all areas of your life? Well, I'm sure you do, and therefore, have we got a podcast for you. Ooh. It's Conversations with Maria Menounos, the podcast edition, which is hosted, as I mentioned, by our CEO and founder, Maria Menounos, and it drops every Friday on iTunes. Conversations with Maria Menounos features celebrity and influencer interviews along with secrets and tips on how to be better in all aspects of life, from health and wellness to career and relationships finances, and more. Let our Maria be the big sister you never had. I mean, imagine if this these kids had podcasts back in the day, especially this one. This would have helped them out. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is go to iTunes and subscribe to Conversations with Maria Menounos for free, and be sure to rate and comment, and when you do, let Maria know it was us who got you there. That's right. Check it out. Conversations with Maria Menounos, podcast edition. All right. All right. So, um, well, while we wait for our guest... Uh, let's just go ahead and call it. We're going to get into spoilers. Jeff, if you be so kind as spoiler to hit that alert. spoiler alert spoiler button. Alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. There it is. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. I love that. Spoiler Siren. alert. You can't say you haven't been warned. <laughs> All right, here we go. Time to cut the butter, dude. That's right. That's right. <laughs> let's do this. So the, these are the, these spoilers for all the 10 episodes of season one. Oh, boy. Um, oh, boy. Let's start. Okay. Uh, I didn't spoil things for you, although uh, I'm wondering if the internet spoiled things for you as far as that it was a lesbian coming of age story. No, I, I had no idea. Um, I thought, as usual, like, it sets up, As it, usual. As, not as usual, but like, <laughs> I thought as usual. No, um, but like, well, the way how the, the, the show is set up is that you think it's Luke's story. Mm-hmm. But to the most, for the most part, it kind of is. But it, I feel like. Kate was was the real star of the show, um, and I think how the way she's presented is through the eyes of Luke mm-hmm. at first, but then, and then so you get to see kind of in a sense what Luke is seeing, like Luke how she's how Luke is able to see her, and through that you're able to see like okay Luke is the main character and that's the girl she she that's the girl he wants, it's like cool I want to see how this goes. But then, uh, as the story progresses, you start to see that oh, this is not this is not really Luke's uh, Luke's story. This is more Kate's story, because um, you start to see her more individually without Luke's eyes. You start to they start to reveal more things. You start to see how she looks at Emmeline, and you start to see um, she starts you starts picking up on how she's a lesbian, and uh, and the more you start t- picking that up, the more it's like. It becomes her story just as much as Luke's. Um, well, that's what I appreciate. It, it, it wasn't bounded by this thing of who's the protagonist, who's not. To me, the fact that you have essentially four protagonists, you have Ken, Sherry, Luke, and, and of course, Kate. Kate yeah. Uh, it, it breaks those conventions right off the bat, but... You know, part of the reason why it is perhaps slow is because it, it, it has to filter that through an archetype of sorts before mm-hmm. it breaks the boundaries. Right. And so when you talk about those moments of, of Luke, you know, and seeing her through that lens, yeah, it's, it's quick and development. And while he's sweet and innocent, you know, at the end of the day, he just wants to get his first kiss out yeah. of the way with her. But then when it happens and the way that it happens, you know, it's something that I think she's felt for a long time, mm-hmm. but now kissing him just, confirms it. it yeah and that's why she really just drops her guard and my mouth dropped to the floor when she's like i'm a lesbian i ain't into you she's like i think i'm a lesbian like right away like right after the kiss that's like the revelation she has it's just like yeah this confirmed it um that was also a really great scene i loved how he had the makeup on and like you could <laughs> see the makeup highlighted in the in i guess like the, pur- the purple light <laughs> Um, which, um, looking at, yeah, it was, it was, it was a great scene. Um, the way I took it is like how he was in makeup too, was that like, he's, he's trying to be, 
he he wants her Anthony, to like him so much. I'm gonna quickly so interrupt much. because we have oh. talent on the line. Hello, hello there. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Uh, this is Anthony and Phil. Hello there. Hi, I'm Anthony. <laughs> nice to meet you guys. What's that? Nice to meet you guys. Oh, nice yeah. to meet you as well. Likewise. So for those of you just joining us, we have we have Luke on the line, or the character <laughs> of Luke. Um, and we were actually just talking over your storyline um, at the moment. Uh, first off, big congrats. Uh, we love the show and uh, can't say enough good things about it. Well, thank uh, you. Um, but kind of let's backtrack. I've been doing a lot of, uh, in, the, in the research that I found, the, the creators, Ben and Michael, spoke about how you, in particular, had a hand in, your, in Luke's dialogue to, in the way that it made it authentic. And can you kind of speak to that of your collaboration um, with the writers to cr- bring this character to life? Yeah, sure. So uh, when I first uh, sat down with Ben and Mike, we talked about, you know, what it was like growing up in the 90s. And, you know, they shared their experiences. And just from, um, and this is also, this isn't just, you know, any other 90s setting. This is like, this is in the suburbs. This is in boring Oregon. Um, But at the same time, you know, uh, it would be a a bit different for an African-American kid, you know, on how how they would do things and how uh, he would walk and talk. So I just had uh, a um, uh, say, and they let me. I'm so grateful to them for allowing me to uh, have a say in that. Uh, um, you know, on how, on the slang he would use and the different, you know, mannerisms that he would just naturally have and that I naturally have. So it was it was pretty fun to do that. And what would you say, I mean, first off, uh, how similar is the location to where you live? And then B, what's the experience like of growing up in this day and age where smartphones are basically the norm to 1996 when most kids don't even have a cell phone? Right. Yeah, it was that whole the whole 90s era thing was kind of weird. Just like <laughs> uh, all the slang and just the, you know, because when Mike and Ben, they were <laughs> talking to us about the slang and there were a few back and forth like the base. I was like, bro, no one says this stuff that y'all are saying. I promise you, <laughs> no one's ever said that. He all was that like, no. And they're like, no, no, it's true. <laughs> like, so that whole 90s era was pretty weird to me. Like they had to explain to me like what mall rats was. I didn't know. Um, yeah, I was like, it was crazy. And, you know, the the setting of where I live in, you know, the 90s, it's it, it, and boring. It's kind of, it's somewhat similar. It's pretty secluded. The people here aren't as open-minded as uh, other places as like New York or LA where, those are pretty popular places for people going there uh, to try to make their dreams come true. But uh, honestly, now that I'm looking at it, they're both pretty similar. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, they did an extensive search f- to find and cast all the actors, including yourself. Can you sort of backtrack and tell us, you know, what that process was like for you to audition and get the role? Sure. So while I was auditioning for Everything Sucks, I was doing... Proud Mary, uh, a movie I just I did last year with Taraji P Henson, oh, yeah. and it was in Boston. And um, before that, I had done a pilot for ABC, and I really wanted that to get picked up. Uh, so I didn't want to take another three month series that was a three that I was going to be working for three months when there was a possibility that this pilot ABC could come back and say, "Hey, you know, we want you to." Um, the pilot got picked up. You can't do anything else. So I was pretty uh, hesitant to really dive deep into Luke and uh, everything sucks as a whole because I was like, oh, I don't really know. This is, you know, what if the pilot goes? I don't want to, you know, mess that up. So I was, um, um, I was uh, pretty nervous to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, I'm glad it's. I'm glad it worked out for you overall. And um, what are some of the things? I mean, you know, as it slowly starts to pick up with audiences, what are some of the things that um, you're seeing that you that that you're like in terms of seeing in terms of fan reaction for whether the show or for your character? What's some of the positives that you can highlight that you're like, yes, you guys got that. I'm glad. 
Um, I would say just the whole awkwardness of the show. It was supposed to be deliberately <laughs> awkward at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's supposed to be, and the fans really pick up on that, and everybody kind of picks up on like you know that prepubescent era where um there was that uh time where everybody where everything was just awkward, and you know you're trying to figure out who you are, and you know it's the beginning to you figuring out who you are, and you know that's the biggest thing for me and just the relationship with uh Luke and Kate how everything that we really discussed into bringing that relationship uh to life and to make it as realistic and to make it as um heart uh breaking as it could be the fans really picked up on that and the critics too and that's those are those two are really the main ones that I'm uh, really glad that everybody picked up on nice um, so I, I just want to ask a little, uh, fun question here. Uh, so in, in one of the episodes, uh, the, the drama kids get a hold of you and they put makeup on your face. And I got to say, um, I thought it was hysterical. Um, <laughs> um, but I was just wondering how, what was that like to have makeup on your face and knowing that I was going to be seen by a lot of people? Were you nervous at all? Was that, or were you just like, you know what? I got to just do it. And then, uh, did you have fun while I was on? And like, how was that all about? So that was a, like a, three to four day shoot that oh boy so, <laughs> no like oh boy is right like, <laughs> i did not like having all that at first it was cool i was like okay this is funny you know it was getting the laugh out of everybody and then like the second day i was like all right i'm over it <laughs> i was over it and we did the when they tied me down to the mattress and like they had Sydney who plays Emily putting the makeup on. That felt very real, and <laughs> I was just like, okay, this. All right, I'll be glad when I, I go home where like the, this scene is over because the whole scene with them putting the makeup on us and then us trying to explain um, what we wanted to do with the movie, mm-hmm. uh, and then. Uh, me drinking the Zima and getting drunk, that took like four to three to four days at least. Mm-hmm. And there was a lot of shots and a bunch of stuff. So that whole thing, I just, <laughs> I'm <laughs> hoping that I don't have to go through anything that intense next season. <laughs> hopefully get one. But yeah, that was, that was definitely crazy. It was a, it was an array of feelings about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, I gotta say it looked, uh, it looked quite tough, but it, I, I gotta say it did pay off, man. It was, it was, it was hilarious. I, I enjoyed watching that scene. Um, I also want to ask: um, Was there any scenes in particular that had that you had the most trouble with, like trying com- to convey some sort of emotion that you just couldn't nail, and you had to like reach out for help to uh, for that like particular scene? Uh, all the emotional scenes are pretty hard. Um, the uh, the phone booth scene that <laughs> was a tough one um, because that was a tough one because for Peyton and I both because um, I guess we both had high expectations of what we wanted the scene to be and um, you know on the page it, it read like so amazingly and it was just this moment of Kate coming to this uh, revelation and this realization that you know she can finally be who she always wanted to be and Luke I he's I think people kind of see that scene and they would think oh he's being a jerk he's trying to hold her back from letting her be who she wants to be she doesn't like him and I think from his perspective I want I really wanted to convey from his perspective that he's really reaching out because in a way he's insecure he's put a lot into trying to get this girl to like him but with the music video and I really really wanted that to convey and to to um play on camera as much as it did on the page because the writers did such a great job of writing it mm-hmm. and I really wanted to do it justice on screen and so I did reach out to for help from our director Ryu So Young who directed uh, episode six five and seven mm-hmm. uh, and she was so instrumental like giving us notes. Uh, the first take was the best take, in my opinion. So instrumental in giving us notes. And one time she went over to give us notes and she started crying. And mm-hmm. that whole scene uh, is very, very emotional. There, that The takes that they used uh, were emotional, but there are other takes that were just, the, the level of emotion was just kicked up, just like went like 10 notches. It was crazy. That was a really hard one and a fun one to do. 
I, I, I have to applaud your guys' chemistry as far as the friendships. Um, yes, with Kate, but, but even like with McQuaid and Tyler. And so I wanted to ask you, you know, how did you guys deliberately go about forming that friendship that would translate on screen? We were all just our characters. And so once we really got together and gelled and talked for a little bit, as soon as we were rehearsing a scene or did the first scene together, it was just instant chemistry. Uh, you know, and Mike, once he really um, explained, you know, how close the three of them were, it was so uh, much easier to really not just act like best friends, but really be best friends on camera. And, you know, we got along on and off screen, so that obviously was a big help. And, um, yeah, so that was, it was Mike and Ben were really instrumental in that, too. Got it. Um, and what was it like to interact with uh, the adults? Because they play such a big part in this in a way that Anthony and I, we were talking that we've never really seen in a TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, and they play such an integral part. So um, what was your guys' interactions with them Um you know, on and off screen. We love them. We love them, love them, love them. I Patch is my favorite TV dad. Like, <laughs> better than Danny Tanner, better than uh, <laughs> uh, Huxtable. Like, just, you know, my favorite. Uh, now he is. And uh, Claudine, um, we, uh, the, like, one of the first times we met together, we went out for uh, breakfast and then straight to rehearsal. And the discussion that we had about the relationship and just Sherry's struggle to really being um, a single mom and, you know, uh, Luke's dad leaving and how that had an impact on her parenting and, like, uh, on her in general. And, like, uh, that was really a great conversation. And just Patch and Claudine, their scenes together are some of my favorite next to Kate and Emmeline beside myself. Like, their, their chemistry is just magic on and off screen and this is great i love them we all love them right on um i gotta say so going back to the uh the scene in the uh in the closet where you guys do the seven seven um seven minutes in heaven um there is there is i don't know uh, there is a well you pretty much you guys kiss you and kate kiss Mm -hmm. and i gotta say was that your first on-screen kiss or is like how'd that go down? What was going through your mind when that when that was like really enough to happen? That was the first like yeah, that was the first major on screen kiss because that was that whole like scene was pretty intense because Peyton was really nervous and I and I was excited because I had never really done a kiss on screen before mm-hmm. and that we had a closed set that day to make everyone feel comfortable. I'm not even gonna lie, I was like kind of strange to have a bunch of grown men pointing cameras at you while you're, you know, <laughs> in small space kissing. But, like, uh, it ended up being really fun. Like, we didn't have anybody watching anything on the monitors. Like, it was a closed set. Anybody that wasn't supposed to be there on set didn't have to be on set that day wasn't there. It was a it was a pretty uh, sweet but kind of intense moment. Nice. I, I mean, in – one of the things, I mean, as we're talking about that scene, to me, that was the turning point of this entire series. And, and mm-hmm. as I was saying kind of before you came on, it was the moment where my jaw dropped of, wow, this is something completely unique that I've never seen. Because already the fact, you know, uh, it, it wasn't stated, but we were blurring any sort of idea of race, racial um, relationships and so forth. And now... The fact that you have Kate, who's white, and and your character, um, and the fact that now we're entering kind of when you're dealing with those characters, yes, there's there's the idea of sexuality and, and coming of age, but now that's something in a unique way that I've never seen before. And what I appreciated was um, how Kate and Luke never really talk about that, whether it's um, the idea, the 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 racial stuff or. At first, you're kind of talking with her about, um, you know, what, what's the lesbian, you know, going through that book. Um, and I guess that there's not really a question, but can you kind of speak to that, um, what you found um, as far as their relationship and why their friendship works so well uh, beyond just him wanting to date her? I think it works very well because 
they are they lift each other up but at the same time they're each other's kryptonite because uh-huh. they um they they listen to they say if you really look at the relationship they say the same thing but they don't listen to each other <laughs> like both of them just want to be understood and so Peyton and I both um we really wanted that to convey on screen how both of them are just extremely misunderstood and um uh and that chemistry uh and also like just me and Peyton like we um, put our minds together and Mike and Ben, and we just really took the time out to really go deep down into these characters and just really analyze like the fact that they are, you know, both uh, heavily flawed. And let's not back down from that because, you know, one can be seen as the protagonist and one can be seen as the protagonist and the antagonist is like, let's just talk about all of their flaws together and people will fall in love with it a lot, a lot more and people will understand both of them equally. And so people uh, identify with both of them. And, you know, Peyton is such a great actress. And, you know, when we were doing all of our emotional scenes and all of the funny scenes, you know, it was just great to uh, really sit down and, you know, instantly both of us were Luke and Kate once they caught action. It's like sparks and flames and, you know, all that great stuff. So, uh, yeah, I love the chemistry between Luke and Kate and Peyton and I. What was it like to shoot the fake movie? Because you obviously have to do that well for the show, but is there just kind of a moment where you just let's have some fun with this aspect of it? Because regardless of how it actually turns out, it's meant to be not as high level as obviously the the actual everything sucks show itself right yeah so that was a lot of fun we actually we went to we didn't actually go to uh dominguez rocks it's a it's a real place but it's inspired by an actual place called vasquez rocks dominguez rocks is inspired by another place called vasquez rocks which uh star trek was filmed at and all of that but we went to a place called bend Oregon and this really desert, you know, kind of place. And it was, um, that was really fun. We, we shot a lot there, but on screen it, you know, it only portrayed to be like, like a couple seconds. It felt like, you know, because we shot so much there, like it was a long hike up the hill where we had to shoot and it was a lot of intense, intense, um, uh, shooting but on screen it's like it was like that like it just went came and then went and then you know that was so fun and we rapped there so our last scenes that we ever shot of the show were in that place and it was it made it even more special and as far as the bad movie uh mike really told me how it's inspired by you know those uh oh gosh what's that it's like inspired by. It's actually inspired by those really bad like '50s movies that are like supposed to be deliberately bad. Oh, all the yeah. all the B movies, yeah, and genre B horror movies. <laughs> they're supposed to be. It's, it's like that's what he was really trying to get out of it. And uh, once he showed me it, like I was like, okay, I understand now. Like I get it now. Like it's supposed. Like I know what you mean by deliberately bad movie because at first I just wasn't getting it. I was like, what the heck? I was I don't understand this. And he was like, no, 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 just follow me. Yeah. And so I have to trust him on that because I wasn't getting it like at all. Well, <laughs> here's the nice part about it. Uh, you know, one of the reasons the show spoke to me so much is I kind of related to Luke and you know made my own movies in that way. Mm-hmm. And so when you're that age, I I think at least or at least for me. It's not like you're obviously trying to make a bad movie. You're trying to make the best movie. And despite your efforts, you know, it turns out the way it turns out. And that's what's right. so fun about it. And and when you're down on yourself, or Lucas rather, you know, in those final episodes, I, I really felt that. And it was authentic to what I've been through. And the idea w- where not only are you dealing with uh, Kate, all of a sudden, even now your friends, you're sort of pushing them away. Uh, and... You know, where it gets really dark is the similarities where you start to identify of, okay, there's Luke and then there's, you know, my father and how the two are all of a sudden meshing into one 
simply because of this one love, but it doesn't have to be that way. And, and the fact that it breaks that mold where you don't go down that dark path is what I truly appreciated. So kudos. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, speaking of that, um, the, the creators have teased sort of a season two of what can happen um, as far as you know, uh, Leroy coming back into the picture, but I wanted to kind of get from your perspective, you know, um, what would you like to see as, you know, imagine fan fiction. What would you, yeah. What would you like to see in season two more of? Um, well, as far as Leroy is concerned, I don't even know. (laughs) So much much that can happen, you know, and when we shoot, obviously it'll be this year and then it'll come out top of, February 2019, so it could be like a year later, and Leroy's sort of kind of around, and he's like, you know, in and out of his life again, like, you never know, but in general, I would like to see us, uh, Luke, slowly come into his identity as a as a young man, a little bit more um, grown up, mm-hmm. um, like 15-year-old Luke, like not, you know, at, these are like the stages on the beginning of him finding, you know, out who he is. And so, you know, I do want to see us, you know, deal with, you know, racism at that time and, you know, how it affects him and, you know, him growing up, you know, uh, not seeing a lot of people that look like him. I do want us to talk about his relationship with Kate too. Like um, when, as Ken and Sherry's relationship evolves, like what is that going to mean for uh Luke and Kate you know if they you know they can eventually become like step siblings or something like that like you never know and so it it just you know adds more levels and um depth into their relationship from crush to you know sister you know guy that I really feel uncomfortable around to brother you know Mm -hmm. uh that that's that'll be kind of funny but definitely deal with more uh societal issues in a you know, as be as lighthearted as we can. Um, but, you know, because you always want to uh, attract new people with the subject matter that we're dealing with. And, uh, you know, it's very important that we that we do that. So I would like to see more of that. Perfect. And beyond just the show, um, are there any projects that you can speak about or any uh, anything that you would like to, you know, as time goes by, try your hand at? Yeah, so I, I do do music. I have a single called Shine that's on iTunes and Google Play and oh, streaming nice. apps and all that stuff for music. Um, but I would like to um, continue to do more roles that are meaningful. I mean, now that everything, everything sucks, I'm really grateful for it because people are really starting to see what I can do and the range of emotions that I have to have and uh, convey for Luke. People are like, okay, this kid's a really good actor, which I'm grateful for. And so now I feel like if I don't choose my roles uh, wisely and correctly, people are going to be like, okay, he's a good actor, but his role selection is terrible. And I really want to um, honor those people who have uh, really fallen in love with my gift and my acting um, by choosing roles that are meaningful to them and meaningful to people in general. So... Uh, meaningful roles, definitely a lot more of. Got it. And what's the best way for people to stay updated with everything you've got going on? Is it Twitter, Instagram, or Yes, the Instagram is uh, Jahi Winston, J-A-H-I-W-I-N-S-T-O-N. And then my Twitter is Jahi Diallo, J-A-H-I-D-I-L-L-O. And then my Facebook is the same thing as the Twitter. Perfect. And is there, uh, as an opportunity, any, any final words that you want to share with the audience while they're captivated and you have them? Yes. Thank you so much for everybody that has watched Everything Sucks so far. You guys are amazing. Uh, we love you guys. And uh, tell your friends or family to <laughs> go on Netflix and continue to watch the show and uh, continue to spread the word. And, uh, yeah, thank you. Perfect. Well, thank you for uh, spending time with us and and sharing everything, and we hope to continue seeing you on more projects. Thank you so much. Take care. Have a good one. Oh, man. All right. What a fine gentleman. (laughs) Indeed. Indeed. All right. So so in the thick of uh, spoilers, right, 
We are in the thick of spoilers. And okay. uh, one last time again, thank you, Jahi Winston, mm-hmm. um, a.k.a. Luke, for joining us. So, all right. Uh, yeah, so we kind of skipped around and whatnot, but but uh, as was always going to be the case, it's always great when you have yeah. one of the leads um, c- come in to your discussion. But, uh, all right, so we were we were still kind of talking about Luke and Kate. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what you wanted to continue with yeah i was um i didn't have a chance to ask him but i want to ask him because all right so he he comes from a place where he likes this girl right and then it's flat out she tells him flat out it's not gonna happen so in his headspace where does it go from there like is he capable of being friends with her because at the end it does it's like um it's implied that they do become friends so it's just like i wanted to see what headspace luke is coming from as to, like, how he's going to be able to, like, assimilate, like, okay, I can't like her, but I can like her as a friend. And um, and I think it's 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 something that's so valuable. Uh, like, I, I guess it's not maybe a lesson or something that can be taught, but it's, I, well, like, it's valuable to be able to get that, like, shift of mind. Well, not that I don't mean to come, for it to come off in this sort of way, because I don't want people thinking that someone in your life has to serve a purpose. But, yeah, right. they should bring in positivity in one way, shape, or form. Where Kate is concerned, as he did point out, you know, she she at times is an antagonist to him. Mm-hmm. She does push him, uh, but she knows exactly how to push him. They both lost a parent, right? Uh, but for two different reasons, and she's clear to point that out of, hey, I, mm-hmm. I don't get to be mad at my mom. She doesn't get that choice. Mm-hmm. And as far as creatively, she also pushes him to, you know, he changes the ending of the movie and... You know, it's tough to say for better or worse, but certainly in his mind for better. Mm-hmm. And so it, that, that's a great asset to have. And I think he's coming from it at a place of realizing that, you know what? Yeah, right now it's important for me to have more meaningful relationships rather than, you know, just be a guy and go after girls. Oh, okay. Yeah. I think that's that's how I read it, at least. Yeah. Um, yeah, like the way I got it was just that he was able to... Like with the ending of the film, he was able, to, like, in a sense, it's kind of like, like, um, if you love her, let her go. In a sense, because mm-hmm. like he 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 has such deep, uh, deep emotions for this girl, but he knows it's not gonna happen. So it's like you know what, I accept that, and like because I be um I, like it was I wouldn't say like he he loves her, but like there's a, there's a sense of like like true um deep rooted compassion for her that's just like. I, I finally get it. Like, I finally get what you're coming from, and I accept that, and you know what? I'm here for you still. Well, what's, what's nice is, as far as the actual show itself, A, they had, they, they state that they had a very diverse writers group, mm-hmm. and so they could bring in these different voices, whether it be for Luke, whether it be for Kate, and they, they actually consulted with um, the organization GLAAD uh, f- to flesh out Kate's arc even more truthful and honest mm-hmm. and so I think I think it does make sense and you know and initially as you're pointing out Luke is that hesitant again he he goes back to the book and he's he's like well it says here you kind of like guys so maybe oh, yeah. I'm your guy yeah exactly just I was just like trying no. <laughs> grasping straws at that point I know but let's um let's shift gears only because uh I do want to touch on everything and by the way we won't we can't get into everything fully in depth that's why the comment section is for if you guys we'll do this how about this if you guys write some good comments and if there's some stuff that really comes out that you want us to explore further mm-hmm. uh then we'll certainly do it how you are you open to that yeah i'm so open to that All i right. love this show so rate comment you tell your friend <laughs> yeah yeah listen we'll do it yeah, you we'll gotta go you gotta it. let us know that you're willing to have us do it you have the voice so that's you know. right but we'll let's listen. um so let's talk about Ken and Sherry because yes. so you know fun. now that we're in spoiler talk the the fact that they're essentially living life as teenagers again and and it's a very midlife crisis type of moment oh, but yeah. but but in a completely different way than than normally is portrayed right they're and, not going out and get buying like a motorcycle or some like dumb thing yeah. like that yeah yeah they they just want to be alleviated of responsibility and just teepee houses and <laughs> and smoke <that's>, weed <laughs> yeah 
and dance to <laughs> I forgot what that song was. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was well, he was dancing to Bre- Breakfast at Tiffany. But... Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when he's like in his tidy whities Yeah, yeah, that was a hilarious scene. Oh man, yeah, I love like their their, their relationship. Like, just felt so sincere. You know, there's never a, there was never a point where it was just like. Oh, this guy just wants something from her. No, it was just like, no, he wants a friend. But then, like, it starts off as a friend. And there is, like, an initial, like, they're attracted to each other. Of course, like, there has to be. But it starts off as, like, hey, like, you're a single parent. I'm a single parent. I know how hard it is. How about we talk about how hard it is? And then, you know, and they say they call it, like, a support group. <laughs> and that turns into, like, this, this just beautiful friendship. And through that friendship, they're able to rekindle... Um, their their youth in a sense they're they able to, to go back to revert back to their youth and then it's just i can't i can't stop saying it. it's just so beautiful <laughs> yeah i mean for all intents and purposes they they become a better version of themselves mm. and you know it comes to a clash when all of a sudden ken assumes what the right responsibility and kind of tactic is towards disciplining luke mm-hmm. and they disagree on that so there's going to be things to work out but the but they both see a goodness within each other and a value that, yeah, one can bring to the other mm-hmm. as far as parenting. And, and so that really works out. And it's that ultra sweet, sweet moment from Luke when when he has the usher bring both of them in to the oh, same seat to yeah. watch his movie. <laughs> You'll be sitting next to that gentleman. Yeah, I thought <laughs> it was really nice. Very, very uh, uh, suave way, way to do that, too. It's, it's so slick, you know? It's just like, oh, that's so that's so cute. <laughs> yes. It's his version of saying sorry. And, and oftentimes, you know, it doesn't... That's what I think he's realizing is that where his dad was so singular on making movies and as long as it, it, basically him being an asshole justified his art. Right. He's realizing that the two don't have to coexist differently. They can they can actually mesh together and mm-hmm. complement each other. Yeah. And I think he's able to come to this conclusion because he's uh he's still learning his way. Like he's still learning his way in his in life and how the father like he's he his father, he sees his, thought, his father's thoughts, but as an adult. So once you're an adult and you have those thoughts, they become more concrete into the person that you become. But I feel like since he's still growing, he's still fluid in like the way his mind works. So it's 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 a really great thing that he, that Luke is able to learn this at such a young age, because I feel it's going to benefit him as he grows older. While like um, in the show, it's the the the, the father's thoughts is prevent, presented in. Like he's already concrete. Like he, we don't know how he grew up. Like we don't know when he learned that um, he, uh, a true artist, doesn't need family or friends. When, mm-hmm. but Luke's like, no. I think that like you draw so much inspiration from friends and family that feeds into your art. Absolutely. And one of the things that I appreciate about this um, quad of people—I don't know if that's the term—but uh, <laughs> squad, that, uh, like. As far as Kate, you know, right now, well, first off, the mom, Sherry, tells Luke, like, it's okay for us to have secrets. And the fact that, Mm -hmm. you know, that changes the rules. And in fact, Kate and Luke do end up having a secret that their parents don't know Mm -hmm. because uh, Kate does want to tell her dad, and yet she doesn't. So that leaves the door open for a wonderful season two. And I think it would have felt disingenuous at that moment for her to tell. You know, it's... I mean, it's not like today's coming out. You know, we're talking still 1996, and it's a very... Right. Even a couple of years ago, it wasn't so easy to, quote, come out. Yeah, they don't have a coming out day, you know. No, not at all. <laughs> they have a stay in the closet day. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, all right. And I know there's so much still to talk about on that, um, but I do want to also touch upon Emmeline and Oliver, simply because it's, you know, in a, in a way... It's the pedestal of what perhaps Luke is trying to aspire to. Mm -hmm. And the flip side of that is when that doesn't go the way Emmeline hopes, Mm -hmm. now she's discovering something else with Kate. So I want to get your perspective on all of that. As to um, how Luke sees, like, uh, Oliver and Just anything, the whole storyline, and you know. Um, Okay, I thought it was... Like, it's uh, kind of like a mirror of... of, uh, of uh of real life pretty much it's uh, oliver he's he's just so into acting that 
Well, in a sense, it's kind of like also with uh, with with Luke's father, how he's just like, you know, I don't like a true actor doesn't need friends or family. Like I'm just gonna go do my own thing. Um, and Emmeline, I, I didn't notice it before, but you brought up that she was attracted to his passion for the art, mm-hmm. and. Once she sees how dangerous such passion can be, she's left alone to kind of without. And she also, oh yeah, she also. It's very important to note that she's always been with someone. She's always someone's girl. She's never been like her own person. And so once he leaves, she's she's a. I see it as like she's in limbo. She's not with anybody. She's with herself, and she's trying to figure that out. And while she's in that state of mind she picks up on what Kate's putting down for her. Um, and she's, she's attracted to that, but I'm not sure it might sound a little negative, but I'm not sure how sincere that is. Like, cause a girl who's always in relationships, like, does she actually have, is she able to, to develop who she really is? It, because it, well, like, has she had enough time being alone to do that? Well, it's, it, I mean, it's, I don't think it's a negative thing. I think you're correct in, in having that worry. Part of that development, though, is also having the right people around you mm-hmm. and pushing you towards that, which we've highlighted with Kate and, and, and Luke. And in a sense, maybe Emmelyn hopes that she can grow with Kate. And, you know, I, I don't know if she wants this, like, if, if she sees... I think there's a side to Emmelyn where she idealized Oliver. I think right. a lot of guys and girls in their first couple of relationships, maybe even till they're like 20, 30, mm-hmm. they have this ideal version of what the relationship is. And that's why it goes sometimes so badly is because, wait, you realize that the other person that you're dating is still at the end of the day a human being. Right. And that doesn't give them right. You know, I'm not saying and advocating that, that if, if someone hits you that it's like, oh, well, it's just not the ideal version. No, but it's just like... If he's always going to be there on a white horse every time you need him or vice versa, it's, it's, it's not going to work out that way. Mm-hmm. And so now that Oliver, who, who she just gave her complete trust to, isn't there, now perhaps with Kate, I think she'll be a little bit more different. And I think it's a little bit, it's more experimental. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we'll see where it kind of goes from there. I don't know. Because I still feel she does like have that wild side when she was with Oliver, you know, that, that doesn't just go away. No, not at all. Yeah, and, so it's like I'm. I just want to see because like there and there wasn't like a big push for her to, you know, go towards Kate in a sense. It just kind of like happened. Does that make sense? It uh, did. I mean, you know, she she had Kate feel up her boob, and then I think that's what kind of brought it all <laughs> together, and, and you know, at least got the ball rolling. <laughs> yeah, that happened. Oh, she, yes, that happened. <laughs> um, but as here's the thing Kate is very reserved and mm-hmm. as much as Luke is bringing her out of her shell to have someone older like an Emmeline mm-hmm. and who potentially you know has is, is attracted to women in the same way mm-hmm. uh, I think that could be nice for Kate to bring her out of her shell mm, okay we'll see we'll I don't see. know yeah we'll see cause there was no there wasn't even like I guess there were like subtle hints that Emmeline was into uh, women, but like it wasn't like anything set in stone. She was willing to try, right? Okay, so that's what it is. So she's willing. I to don't try. know. This is this like, is, yeah. There's no, know, I'm like, not the author like of the, this. Like the show hasn't confirmed that she's like for sure into women, but she's like because like that's why that's why I come back. Is is, it, is she sincere about it? Because she could just be seeing here's another person that likes me who thinks I'm perfect, and I like that she thinks that I'm perfect, and that's why I like her. Well, not that it's better for Kate or Emmeline in any sort of way, but at least in my judgmental mind, it is of, of Emmeline's not doing this to destroy Kate. Right. Whether or not she knows the intent behind her but doing she, this. It could end up destroying her though, but yeah. It, it could, but at least it's coming from a place of innocent rather than yeah, like, let, let me mess with you because I know you're a lesbian and I'm going to pretend to like you and then be like, ooh, look at you lesbian. Totally. Okay. That would be that too would be, hurtful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's brutal. All right. All right. Uh, any any predictions for season two before we wrap? Oh my god! TV predictions. All right. Um, where's my boy Tyler at? I yeah, want to know where Tyler went. <laughs> he's gonna be a great commercial actor. 
Uh, is that what it was implied? Because he does no, take, I don't he know. takes up the mantle of Oliver's, uh, like his coat and his glasses at the end, and he takes off just like Oliver did. Is he running away? I don't think so. I don't think he's gonna be running away, but I think he's gonna be running away from his friends because he feels so betrayed, so brushed under the rug. And I felt like the first season of the show kind of did him towards the end, at least, kind of did him dirty, you know. <laughs> Like, did him wrong. They did him wrong, dude. Like, and I really wanted him to like pick up on like how the uh, the pigtailed girl, um, how what was her name? Uh, uh, I believe it was Leslie. Yes, good old Leslie. She uh, she was like, she was like hitting on him, and I was just like, yeah, Tyler, like, come on, pick up. But he's so into his own world that he just couldn't pick up on that. And I really want to know what's going on, what what happens with Tyler. Um, I want to see how how he confronts if he's gonna confront his friends at all and be like, "Hey, you guys did this to me. I felt I feel this way because of that." Or if they're gonna have to go up to him and be like, "Hey, what's wrong?" And then it's be like, "You don't know what's wrong. You guys, you guys kind of like hung me out to dry like towards the end of the first season. What do you mean what's wrong?" Well, um, let's see. I want to see if Oliver comes back. <laughs> That'd be I interesting. Think, I think I think he could. Co- I think he will. You know, maybe he. It doesn't go his way. He'll end up back and boring. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, there's the big cliffhanger of Kate telling her dad, Leroy. Coming back. Coming back. So there's there's a lot to explore, mm-hmm. and I'm excited for all of it. One thing that's for certain is that everything won't suck. Maybe it might suck for the characters, but as far <laughs> as fans, it's not going to suck. There's a lot to look forward yeah. to. Uh, in the meantime, as I said, you can let us know. Comments in the description box. We'll converse with you. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, let us know if you guys want to... Uh, follow up to this we'll, we'll be glad to do it in the meantime where can people interact with you yes uh hit me up with any questions i'd love to talk more about this show uh my name is anthony becerra you can find me everywhere at tony b the letter b so tony b tony underscore again tony b tony underscore that's where you can find me and you can follow me at phil Svitek or go to my website philsvitek.com thank you guys as always truly truly appreciate it we'll see you guys for another season and everything every- doesn't suck That's right. But it's a great show. Peace out. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, see you later. Views expressed herein are those of the host only. Do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.